Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,248. You know, if you run a business, you're thinking about running a business, you work in a business, it's important to know how to do things, but it's even equally important to know how to not to mess things up. Today's guest is going to talk about that. So buckle up and be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm... uh, Well, I'm at Moose Lodge. We might talk about that a little bit in our talk with a very special guest by the name of Tom Nault. Tom, welcome back to Cars Yeah! because you are a very early guest here. Do you have any gear and are you ready to release the clutch? I sure am. You always are. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about a book that you've written that I think is very pertinent to most of my listeners, well, anybody who works in any kind of business, really, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Tom? Uh, I'm the writer behind Exotics at Redmond Town Center. So that might be a good thing or a bad thing, but (laughs) I'm the guy who writes the blog and writes the whole website, and I'm also the co-founder of the thing. Well, that event up here in the Pacific Northwest is, I would say, is the premier cars and coffee type event. I've been to numerous number of those. Uh, You guys are a little bit far away, but it gives me an excuse to drive up from Gig Harbor and enjoy all the cars. Before I give you an introduction, I want to tell people a little bit about exotics at Redmond Town Center because it's huge. It's become, uh, did you ever think it would become this big when you started this thing? No, not at all. <laughs> we we didn't even think we would last all that long. So we're we're surprised by the whole thing too. Yeah. Well, part of this is you've surrounded yourself with a very charismatic and passionate group of people that help, right? Oh, that that's just it. It's the volunteers. We're we consider ourselves to be an ensemble. Uh, we each have our part. We each do something, and uh, it's the volunteers that make the thing fly. Now, I think there's a term you guys call yourselves, all the volunteers. Yes, we're called the thugs. The thugs, yeah. The beloved thugs. Yeah. And that was Eric Reeves who named us some years ago. He was one of the first thugs. And when Vic and I, we were such, he thought we were such nice people trying to be diplomats. And he, he called, he said, you guys are sure thugs. And it stuck. And so we've been known as the thugs ever since. Well, it's a great show. I love attending it. And uh, kudos to you and the whole group of thugs for pulling this off. It's not easy, uh, the size that this thing has become and the number of people. And of course, when you get that many people together, there's always a few sour apples in the bag (laughs) that cause problems that you have to deal with and and become a little thugly with. But uh, you guys do a great job. So let me give you a proper introduction because I want to talk about this new book that you've written, Tom Nault's passion for entrepreneurship, management, and turnarounds began way back when he was in college. Along with his fascination for companies that did great things, Tom also had a fascination with failure, how they happen, and more importantly, how they could be fixed. Throughout his career, he has created many businesses, sold some, and then went on to greatness, some maybe not. He helped many distressed companies, and along the way, he's learned an awful lot of information. He's going to share that with us. He co-founded Exotics at Redmond, Redmond Town Center, as he said, and has become the largest weekly gathering of exotics and rare cars in the Pacific Northwest, a huge success. He joined the board of America's Automotive Trust, that is the oversight for the LeMay America's Car Museum. And when COVID struck, 
Tom decided to write a book titled How Not to F Up Your Own Company, Lessons I Learned by Screwing Up. We'll have a word from our sponsor first, so give them a little love. They keep the petrol in the tanks here, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. And protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. So, Tom, you've been involved with a lot of different companies over your career. And one of the things that you have been known for is to come in and help people who, let's just say, need some help or are in trouble. I'd love for you to talk about what instigated this book other than COVID. And we're going to dive into some of the nuances. And perhaps you can share with us today with people that have a business are thinking about having a business or even just work in a business of how to be more successful. So let's start with the why. Why'd you write the book? Well, I wanted to summarize some of the things that typically go wrong. Often when I meet a CEO, the company is already in some sense of turmoil. I had one CEO once had most of his employees walk out on him. And that's when I got the call. So a lot of times they're in, they wait until they get to that point and then call. I wanted to have a platform that I could give to people, something where I could hand out and say, hey, read this. This will really help you. And then pick up the conversation from there as they see themselves in the book. So that's what started the whole thing. Well, I think it's wonderful. There's a, a book that I've recommended over the years because it helped me very, very early on in a company I was involved in, and it's uh, Michael Gerber's The E-Myth. Mm -hmm. And it really, that book really helped us 
look at our business from a different perspective. What you've done in your career is come in and help people see a different perspective because many times when we're digging a hole, we don't stop to look up before it's too late and we're too deep in the hole, to use a metaphor. So maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the lessons that you've seen or situations and lessons you've helped people learn. There's probably some similarities with each business you go into that you go, here we are again. They're doing it again. Yeah, and it's almost always the CEO. It's rarely the employees, but again, you know, the CEO hired the employees and right. sort of started the culture ball rolling downhill. And uh, often they're reluctant to learn. It it starts right there. They they have this tendency to think that they know it all. It's that's why I hit the Dunning Kruger effect early on, uh, because you know we all think we know something until. We suddenly get slapped upside of the head realizing that we don't. I, I'm shaking my head up and down. Yes, absolutely, 100%. When you look at very successful business people, and I'll pick one in the automotive, well, two in the automotive sector, Roger Penske, uh, Elon Musk. Now, they're both very different characters, and there may be things about each that some people don't like, but you can't deny that they've been successful with what they're doing. And one of the things that I've seen in reading about both those gentlemen is they surround themselves with the best people they can afford. And more importantly, they give some direction, but then they get out of the way and let that person do their job. Is that a little bit what we're talking about here? Absolutely. And I think Elon Musk, you know, he's getting a lot of bad press lately. And But I see a lot of that as political more than anything. But he is really, really very good at what he does. And so I'm watching this whole thing unfold with excitement uh, around what's happening at Twitter. And, you know, the, the thing is, what sets these people apart is that they have a willingness to take instruction. Elon Musk goes to other people to get guidance about what he should do. He even asks his own customers. How hard is that? <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm chuckling, but it's so true. We've all dealt with companies or perhaps even worked at companies where the CEO does exactly what you're saying. And you sit back and you're going, well, why don't we bring somebody in that can help us with that? We, we keep butting our heads up against the wall with this one issue. And the words you usually hear is, well, I know what I'm doing. Well, you think, obviously you don't because we, we keep having this issue. What is it about that that helps people make that mindset change that they can actually fess up and say, I need help with this. I don't know how to do this. Is there something that you've been able to click in people's heads that help them see the light a little brighter? Rarely. Rarely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rarely. I, You know, for most of them, they need an event to occur before they suddenly wake up. Um, sometimes they're in litigation. Sometimes they're in trouble with the federal government. I spent 10 years as a federal court-appointed trustee on some of these companies that ended up in, in serious, serious trouble with the federal government. You know, the, the, I learned so much in the process. These were brilliant people who got their business a long way. But they, they make this assumption that, well, I got it this far, therefore I'm qualified to keep going, not recognizing that the needs of the business changed along the way, and, and they just can't adapt to it. You mentioned something important as well, and that's the simple idea of asking your customers. I know everybody listening to the show right now has dealt with a company that they wished was going to be a great experience and ended up being a disaster. 
Uh, I'm, I just spent the weekend with a certain airline because I'm about to go on a trip. And their inability to help me after buying very expensive business class tickets to fly halfway around the world is just mind-boggling to me. And I'm thinking, man, I hope they take care of their planes better than they do their customers because I'm about to get on one of those aircraft. What is it that you have found helps people finally take some advice? I mean, is, is it they get so much trouble that they almost have to? Or have you found some ways to help people understand that it's okay to ask for help? Yeah, well, that conversation rarely happens. I just in the normal course end up talking to a lot of CEOs and I'll often ask the question, what keeps you up at night? And then they'll start talking about some of the challenges that they deal with. When I offer a couple of suggestions about what to do to get out of it, some listen, but the majority don't. They think they, they know it all. They're not recognizing the value of consultants from the outside. And that's a mindset that's very difficult to overcome with somebody that somehow if they get help, it's seen as a sign of weakness when it's not at all. The better companies have good consultants and they keep those consultants. I actually had a company say that their goal was to get rid of consultants. Oh, wow by the way, who were doing a fantastic job of building the company. And I, I just couldn't wrap my head around that. Do you think it's because people in that position, some that you've encountered, it's an ego thing? They just can't, they can't admit that they don't know it all? I, I don't know if it's that. I, I, I take it back to Dunning-Kruger. I think that a lot of them uh, just don't know what they don't know. <laughs> and so they, they wouldn't know how to even ask or have the conversation because they don't know what alternatives exist to what they're already doing. And so even if they hire a consultant, often they're looking for failure within that consultant as a way to reinforce the bad decisions they've already made. People have a tendency to prove themselves right. They want to be right. So they So even if they believe that failure is imminent, <laughs> they'll prove themselves right on that accord. And so it's, uh, it's an odd thing. And so getting them to see things a little differently is really the, the first initial challenge before you even get to work. Yeah, looking deep into the mirror. Well, let's talk about maybe some aspects or parts of this book, chapters, if you will, that you bring forth. We don't want to give away the whole story because I want to sell you some books here. I think this is a wonderful book for not only large company CEOs, but small company independents, because I interview so many people on the show that have small shops. And they one of the things they complain about is they get to a point where they don't know what they don't know. And they're trying to figure out how to get past that point. The ones that succeed do what you're suggesting. They bring in help. The ones that don't are stuck in that treadmill. They don't understand why they're working seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and they can't get their head above water. So what are some of the chapters or aspects of the book. Walk us through some of those. Well, I cover just a whole range of stuff. I cover some of the syndromes that occur where there's, there's stuff going on within the company, uh, such things such as gaslighting of employees or culture breakdowns within the organization or hiring weak players in the organization that can't grow with the business. I talk about hiring up where you hire above the position that you're hiring for. 
And so that that person has the ability to move in the organization. It's a key way in which I interview people um, when I'm trying to build an organization. But a lot of it is how the foundational elements are already set by the CEO and trying to get them to recognize that they built that crappy foundation. And to change that foundation, they've got to get down to some fundamentals. And so the book talks about some of those things, um, about uh, the importance of great people and paying them well. (laughs) You know, a lot of people go, oh, well, that, that cuts into profitability. It cuts into your growth to not have them, you know. So, but getting people to kind of understand that is, is a challenge. They, they don't recognize that investment in their people going forward. Now, you and I are the same age, and we've known each other for a long time. We've been friends for a long time, and I've always ad- admired you. And I wanted to, to see, when you think about companies and that you've seen be successful. And, and I'll back up a little bit here because I like the, the subtitle to your book, Lessons I Learned by Screwing Up. Uh, maybe we go there for a brief moment so that there's some credibility here. Not that I think you need it, but for people listening going, well, how does this guy know? Uh, can you share maybe a couple, and we'll, we'll twist them into what I call inspirational stories because uh, inspirational stories are ones of success, of course. Are there some things that you did along the way that maybe you were able to self-identify and change in yourself that as we talk about people that can't do that, that really helped you see the light? Um, yeah, there, there's a combination of things. That's really, uh, there, there's two parts to that. One was that, yeah, my screw-ups. Um, one of the first things I did in a venture-funded startup that I did was I brought in friends. Big mistake. I thought it'd be fun to work with my friends. And that was a disaster. I was going based on friendship rather than top talent one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. And it made the whole company difficult to to actually build momentum. I was lucky to be able to sell to one of the VCs and get out. Um, But that's one thing. But the other thing is, as I say, taking instruction from others. I had an amazing mentor, a guy named Mike Kistler, uh, who's a doctor. Mike has, uh, he's not just a medical doctor. He also has an MBA and a master's in engineering. 20 years older than me. He was one of my first investors and we're still friends to this day. And uh, I just saw him not that long ago. Really a remarkable guy um, now lives in Colorado and uh, he's just, um, he was always there. You know, he was one of those guys who I could bounce ideas off of him and I would get good guidance and I followed it. I, I, that's part of why I've been successful when I have been is, because I, I take the advice and run with it. So it's it's not all my ideas. I, I learn from other people. Well, you know, I always say this, uh, mom was always right. Moms are usually telling us when we're kids, surround yourself with the right people. Hang out with winners, you'll be a winner. Hang out with losers, you'll be a loser. And yeah. there's great quotes about we are the culmination of the top five people we spend most of our time with. Uh, even goes to spouses. I married a woman who's far smarter than me. She keeps me on my toes, keeps me straight and honest, and uh, helps me realize when I need to seek help. Uh, like this weekend when I was having some IT troubles and I was pounding my head on my keyboard. Well, maybe you should call somebody and get a little help here. It's like, ah, of course, that's yeah. what I should do. So, you know, when you talk about challenges, and your book is all about challenges and of overcoming challenges, 
Is there a, a big challenge? You mentioned one, the mistake of hiring friends, but is there a big challenge that you faced in one of your ventures that at the time was just terrible and miserable, but when you look back, you appreciate the fact you got to go through it because it taught you, taught you some things you probably shared in the book. Yeah, I think the acquisition of Open Interface North America, this was uh, one of the early Bluetooth software companies, the protocol stack, which is the basis, basic software that makes Bluetooth work. And um, I was originally working with the company as a potential client and uh, trading advice. They were helping me. And I fell in love with this engineering team. They were brilliant, just absolutely brilliant. So on a trip to Japan, they were a Japanese-owned company. I had an opportunity to buy the company. It came up. I bought the company from the time I found out it was for sale to the time that uh, I had a signed deal with the board. It was four hours and 20 minutes, and I was back in my hotel room. That's how quickly what? the deal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But what I was betting on was the engineering team. The company was not in great shape. And it was a lot of um, raising small amounts of money to get the thing turned around. We ultimately sold it to Qualcomm at the end of 2007 for a significant gain. It is the, um, uh, the software, the, the Bluetooth software on your iPhone. You can go and look at the licensing page huh? and you'll see, um, you'll see our name on the, on the phone on the licensing page. Oh, cool. And yeah, that was a, uh, that was an amazing experience. Wonderful people to work with. The engineering team led by Greg Burns was, uh, Greg is a genius by himself and knew how to run a team extremely well. And, and I was betting on them. Wow, bravo. Nice the way that turned out. If there's one or two key points that people will take away from your book, what are they? Uh, get guidance from other people. I think that that's of critical importance. Also think about where you want to go, but think it through. One of the, one of the things that people do that I think is stops them is they don't think big enough and they have this notion in their head that, well, if the business gets bigger, it'll get more complicated. And that doesn't have to be the case at all. There are marvelous companies that run extremely well and have a, you know, reasonably small number of people managing and they, they, Work like a Swiss watch. They they just hired the right people in the right roles. They're doing fine. Uh, always goes back to the people. Even when I talk about the many aspects of the car world, which Cars Car is all about, it, it's really the people. It's not the cars. The cars are just the catalyst that bring great people together and enable people to collaborate and do things like you guys have done with uh, Exotics at Redmond Town Center and a lot of the other ventures you've done. You know, I'd like to talk a little bit about Bucket List. Now, you've written this book. Have you written a book before? No, I, I'm big on Quora. So when I say big on Quora, I do a lot of writing on Quora. I've answered 1,800 questions, most of, most of which are business-related. In the last six months, a lot of them are automotive industry-related. And... um uh, that has led to a, a substantial following, 150 some thousand followers and lots and lots of views, um, 14 million plus views. And so that's been, and then on the digest, uh, I've been up, uh, picked up on the digest over 500 times to 64 million, uh, views. And so, um, it's, you know, th that's what started my idea about writing the book. I thought, well, if I'm doing this much writing, 
why not summarize all of this stuff into a book and uh, crank something out, especially while I was in lockdown. So that's when I started, but I had some false starts as I was going through this big move to Moose Lodge here in Missouri. Let's talk a little bit about Moose Lodge, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, you know, having known you as a Pacific Northwest guy, you lived here for a long time. You've now migrated east uh, to Moose Lodge, and, and I've learned some things about this spectacular home you found uh, in the woods as a little hideaway, if you will. Uh, but nowadays, none of us are really hidden away. We can still reach out via the internet and all the different ways that we can reach people. Moose Lodge, what's it all about? Well, you know, when you say hiding away, I got to make a little side story here. Yes. I am on average distance closer to about 99% of all people in the United States than anyone else. So how did I get here? <laughs> yeah. So, there, so the Census Bureau always keeps a center point of where the average distance is from everybody else. And that average distance is just 43 miles from here. Wow. So I am... I'm closer to everybody than I ever was. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but yeah. but you're in a beautiful little uh, sp- yeah, a little spot that's spectacular. Yeah, so I'd sold my house in Kirkland, Washington, bought an Airstream Interstate Sprinter van, and started off with my dog trying to figure out where I wanted to live next. I traveled all over the Midwest, which is where my siblings are, and, and I, I grew up in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, home of the EAA. And as I was looking around at houses going on Zillow every night, and I think I looked at over 10,000 houses online, and about 50 in person, but drove 13,000 miles and came across this house. And um, the house was designed by Tom Jowett, who was the senior VP of architecture at Bass Pro, designed Big Cedar Lodge, and most of the Bass Pro shops. And this house had just all of the cool stuff in it. And I fell in love with it the second I walked in the door. I said, here I am. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> yeah. This is the house I want. Well, another testament to patience, persistence, tenacity. And I think more importantly, you, you implied this earlier, is knowing what you want. And for you uh, to be closer to siblings, be a point in your, in your life where you can take the time and go out and discover what might be best for you versus rushing into something and look where you ended up. How can people, what is the best place for people to go and find your book? Again, the title is How Not to F Up Your Own Company, Lessons I Learned by Screwing Up by Tom Nault. Yeah, you can find it on Apple Books. That's the best place to find it. You can go to my website, TomNault.com or MiddleRock.com, which is where my partners and I all work. And so um, you can find it there. You can also find me on Quora, and I'm also on Substack. You can look through all of those places under my name, and uh, you can find me there. Absolutely. I encourage you uh, listeners, if you have a business, you run a business, uh, check all these out. I'll put all these links onto Tom's show notes page. And uh, for you listeners that have been around for a long time here at Cars, yeah, Tom was a very early guest. He took a a chance and gave me a a chance when I was starting out on this silly, what I thought at the time was kind of a silly, fun thing. It ended up being... uh, Boy, long-winded. I've talked to a lot of people since the first time you were on this show, which is pretty cool. Well, we've got to talk about cars a little bit here, Tom, because you are a diehard car guy. Um, Starting Exotics at Redmond Town Center is a a little example of that, but you've had some very cool cars. Is there one car, when you look back at all the great cars you've had or fun cars you've had, that stands out as a special vehicle for you? You know, I had four Lexus LX570s in a row Wow! because they've 
my lifestyle driving those cars a lot. And I went all over the place with them. Yeah, I've had two Lamborghinis. I had a Rolls-Royce Phantom. And, uh, you know, I, I had an I-8. So I've had kind of a range of cars. The, the thing I'm enjoying right now is the Airstream Interstate 24 GT van. And it's a very, very cool van. It's worth checking out. But it affords me the ability to pretty much go anywhere, park anywhere, and be with my dog. And it's created some amazing memories. Um, I have a lot of fun memories with the Phantom, not because of the car so much, but because of the friends piling in the car and going to some small town for dinner. It was just such a blast. So, yeah, good memories with that. Those are fun. You know, it's interesting how during the COVID pandemic, people's attitudes radically shifted. And I know many people that have all of a sudden decided to get out and see the country. Maybe it's because of a sense of mortality, um, you know, because we all probably lost people. Uh, I did a show at the end of last year, a memoriam of 10 past guests who've been on Cars Yeah that we've lost. And over half of those were due to COVID. But getting out and seeing the world and doing things we always wanted to do, it's a good thing to do at any point in time and get a new perspective. Kind of like what your talk book talks about is getting a new perspective. Yeah. You know, seeing the United States is something that very few people in the Northwest do. I've talked to them and they don't get in a car and get beyond the state line. And as you get further into the Midwest, they think, Oh, it's going to be boring. The people are amazing. They're just amazing. They're wonderful. And there's stories there. I, I can't encourage people enough to get out there and just drive, see the country, meet these people. They're remarkable. That's why I ended up here. <laughs> well, absolutely. You know, last year, Tom Cotter, who wrote all the barn find books, started with the Cobra in the barn, and then photographer Michael Allen Ross, they set out in a new Bronco with an Airstream trailer behind them in Key West, and they drove all the way to Dead Horse, Alaska all the way across the country. And the idea was to not not so much get there as quick as possible, but take all the back roads and meet all the people in the diners and the stores and the, the little roadway stands. And they're producing a book about that venture. In fact, they stopped here at my house and spent the night. Uh, it was in June. It was when I was selling my, my Porsche Turbo. They were here the morning that it sold on Bring a Trailer. And they said the same thing. They said the people in this country... Once you get away from the big cities, nothing against the big cities. There's great people there, too. But I think you know what I mean. And you see yeah. the real America, the real people that are just there living their lives. Uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous time. And uh, right from the horse's mouth, listeners, Tom's done it, doing it. Maybe it's time we all did a little bit of that, right? Yeah, you know, and and talking about these nice people, they're willing to help if something goes wrong. I had a leaky air valve on one of the tires. Um, and as I was driving, every small town I stopped in to try and deal with that little valve, none of these tire shops would accept payment. Not one of them. I kept offering to pay them to fix it. They said, no, no, no charge. They're just happy to help out. And that's just the, that's the niceness of the Midwest. And, and it wasn't just one place. It it kept happening. And uh I I I just fell in love with it. Yeah, 
It's wonderful. Now, I didn't ask you this question when you were a guest way back when, because I've changed some things up. But I, uh, since since we last spoke, I've become a car psychologist. I got a diploma on the wall somewhere around here. I probably made it up in Photoshop, but uh, <laughs> or InDesign. But I'm going to ask you this question: If you were reincarnated, Tom, as a vehicle, manifest as a vehicle. Now, this isn't what you want to be. This is how you perceive the man in the mirror as a vehicle. Make you think a little bit. What would you be, but more importantly, why? I think I would probably be the sprinter that I'm driving. <laughs> yeah. And the, the reason is because it affords me the ability to slow down and take in the world. I can stop right there and spend the night, take a nap, photograph stuff, write about something right where I am. And that speaks to my personality a lot. I've, I've enjoyed the heck out of this thing. It sounds like it. When you talk about writing, one of the things mentioned earlier, you can go to the Exotics at Redmond Town Center. There's a blog there that you write, right? Yeah, I write the all of the copy on the website as well as the blog, and I turn it out every Thursday while we're in season. Right now, I take a little bit of time off and don't do the writing, but I've been doing it since we began in 2009. Vic and I started the thing, and then um, I ran the business side of it all these years, still do. And that was just kind of the fun thing, was to be the voice of ERTC. But it's a fun read. We try and keep it light and silly and and enjoyable. People actually read our rules. <laughs> well, you do a great job. Have you found that since you headed out over the roadways uh, in your van that your stories have changed quite a bit? They do. They have changed. They're um, they're they're not as as tightly defined around the Pacific Northwest. So we all communicate pretty regularly about what goes on on a Saturday. I still go to eat RTC. I was there for opening day, and I'll make a a couple of trips up this this next summer for for events. Definitely for opening day. But I'm starting to write more about. America and what it's like to drive. I live right near Route 66. And for people who have never done that or know anything about it, it's worth taking that history lesson about the route and what it means and what's still there. It's just a great story. I love it. I love it. Well, maybe we'll see another book in your future. Do you think something relating to your travels? And well, Yeah, there'll be more stuff. Um, I'm working on a couple of other projects right now. I'm writing one about this journey to Moose Lodge. And it, it, you know, it, it was a, it was shooting myself out of a cannon to, to find this place. And so there, there is a lot to the story and um, it's hard to, to do it on a, on a podcast and, and get into the details. So I thought that would be fun to write about. There's a lot more stuff about, buying a company that I want to cover. So that's a separate book that I'm working on as well. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Look forward to having you back then. Well, you've taken us on a, a really nice journey, Tom, and I can't thank you enough for spending time to come back in the beginning of the new year here and offer some wonderful advice with this book. And again, I would encourage you listeners, even if you work in a company and you don't run a company, you don't own a company, this book is worth a read because you might be able to, well, I won't say you might, you can take some of this advice and perhaps if your boss or your manager is willing to listen to you, offer some suggestions that Tom has shared here because he certainly 
has a lot of wisdom and experience. Before I let you go today, Tom, are there any parting words of inspiration or wisdom you might share with our listeners? I laugh at my favorite quote of all time. And and that is that, you know, everything happens for a reason. And sometimes that reason is you're stupid and you make bad decisions. <laughs> it's just a favorite quote of mine because it applies to some of the stuff that I've done throughout my life. And you have to laugh at it. But, you know, life is about doing the small experiments and, and doing those things, sometimes failing, but picking yourself back up and getting out there and doing it again. And you do that enough, you're going to be that. Well, yes, exactly. And that's how we learn. Somebody related this to, you know, I've got a fairly new grandson. He's walking now. And they said, you know, a little child, when they try to walk, and of course, the first time they fall on their face, they don't stop. It might no. hurt a little bit, but they no. get up and they keep trying. It's the same with holding a fork and eating. Uh, you know, they don't yeah. give up. Otherwise, they sit, lay in the ground and starve to death. So, yeah, everything's hard for you, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tom, thank you so much for uh, coming back and visiting here from Moose Lodge. I got to get out there and visit you sometime in that place. Uh, sounds delightful. Yes, <laughs> yeah. You drive in Route 6. This is a place to stop. Uh, it sounds like it. Yeah. And, and Mark, I'm so thrilled for you too because i've watched you start this thing and you know i hope you come and do this live idiot rtc one of these days i think it would be a lot of fun and we would have a tremendous number of people show up just to see you do your show i think it would be a blast <laughs> to do it there well thank you that's very kind of you maybe we'll plan that in the summertime because uh, the exotics at redmond town center for you listeners if you find your way up here to the pacific northwest the summertime is beautiful here they don't run the shows in the wintertime if it's raining they don't run them uh, but uh, there's plenty of beautiful days in the summer and into the fall season that uh, you'll see hundreds not thousands of cars sometimes i mean it's just it's just incredible so it's a wonderful thing that you and the, the thugs there have built. Tom, uh, happy new year to you. And thank you for sharing more of your wisdom with me today. And more importantly, with the Cars Yeah listeners, uh, I'll put links to how you get the books, how you follow Tom on his show notes page. Until you and I talk again, my friend, I'll see you hopefully at the Moose Lodge. Thanks very much, Mark. I really appreciate having me. You're welcome. 20, 50, or a hundred years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration preservation, and mentorship is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM apprenticeship program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah! Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up! 
a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!